Welcome back to another episode of Organic with OG Adriana, a podcast that explores the intersection of authenticity, mindful consumption, and radical mother effing healing. My name is Adriana, aka OG Adriana, if you nasty, and I'm your host of this crazy podcast. And hey, y'all, I am just happy to be back on this podcast, Mike. I feel like I'm talking like very low right now, but then I always feel like I'm just talking like extra loud. So can y'all like email me or comment or something on organic at OG or on at organic with OG on Instagram? Yeah, y'all just let me know. Do I be talking like hella loud? Like, should I turn my mic down? Like, I currently, let's see what we're working with right now. Currently, I have this mic all the way up. I'm going to turn it down maybe like 25% to see if that makes a difference. Okay, actually, I'm not going to do that right now. But later in the episode, I'm going to turn it down and I'm going to see just how this audio sounds. But all of that being said, y'all, hello. I hope y'all are having a very good week a very good month, a very good day, a good hour. Goddamn. I hope you are doing well. I appreciate y'all for tuning back in with me. If this is your first time here, hello. Um, I already told y'all what this podcast is about. So thank you for being here. Um, But yeah, if y'all have been listening to every single episode, which I know that there are a few people who literally listen to this podcast like clockwork, y'all, I really, really appreciate y'all. Um, I've kind of been like stifling my passion and not even stifling. I'll say, I'll say I've been like putting my past, my passion for like media, like on the back burner my entire life, because I think naturally I'm just very introverted, um, which started as me being just like very shy and reserved. But now honey, that I'm an old ass woman, I just, I really enjoy being on this mic talking to y'all and I enjoy I don't know. I'm just excited to see the road where this takes me. But that being said, just to recap, y'all, like on my past week, um, my baby has been gone. Little boy has been a whole world traveler. I don't know if I talked about this on the last episode, but homeboy went to Alabama. He is currently in Oklahoma right now. And he is just honestly his summer has gotten off to a great start. He is having a good ass summer so far away from his mama, but I am very excited to see his damn face this week. So yeah, he we can have some fun in Austin and he can just continue enjoying summer things for his couple weeks here with me before going back to his dad's. Um, what else? Oh, so I've adopted this, like, I've adopted this principle of 
not principal. See, I don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm about to go off into a tangent. I don't got nothing to do with nothing, child. But I have developed a new hobby, which is riding through the hood of Austin, reminiscing about all of my old hood rat times. I have done that several times since my child has been gone and I've had just times of solitude. And I don't know, there's just... I don't know. There's just a certain nostalgia of just seeing places that you used to frequent and just reminiscing about certain experiences that you've had and certain lessons you've learned and certain people that you've hurt. And, you know, like, it's just very, very interesting. And it's been a very nostalgic and almost like healing thing for me to do. So that has been cool. I've I've definitely enjoyed being able to do that because I can't really do that when my child is here because he ain't finna ride around with me like while I'm like, oh, oh my God, I used to do this. I used to do this here. You know, like he's not about to do that. Like homeboy will get bored in like five minutes. So um, I do just enjoy having the time to myself to just, yeah, just really get back to me and really um, learn how to navigate the space of being a motherfucking adult in my city. Like, I don't think y'all, well, I mean, obviously, if you've gone through a situation similar before, um, I've been displaced, being displaced from a town that you were raised in, born and raised in, and then being displaced, like, throughout your entire 20s, almost, like, it is, it's just very weird. It's a very, very interesting experience. So I've found a lot of joy in doing that, child. Um, Yeah, I've really just honestly been dating myself. And that has, <sighs> dating myself has been, been so, so cool. I will say in dating myself, y'all, I have broke some promises when it comes to like hanging out with people, I have kind of been very aloof and have forgotten about these things that I've scheduled. And honestly, I I am just still very, very, very much in a place where I am just not comfortable hanging out with any and everybody. And I am not comfortable with exchanging energy with every motherfucker because like I said, I am still trying to solidify my place back here. So honey, if you listening to this, except for Jordan, like obviously this does not count to count towards you. I'm very excited about things to come. And I don't even know why I'm talking about that on the podcast. Now I'm just starting to ramble. But yeah, if you have been a person that I've made plans with, like in the recent weeks, and we don't have a consistent rapport, and we don't have like a, like, I don't consider you family, like you ain't a friend turned family, you know, Um, I apologize to y'all. I am really trying to work out the areas of my mental health that cause me to want to people please and to never say no to people because, sorry, goodness, because it's really kind of been causing me to realize how much I be making plans just to break them. And that is not healthy. That is how you lose trust within people. That is you know, all these things. And that's not cute, right? You know, you just gotta not do those things. But that being said, what else did I write down for like, oh, guys, I saw a fucking snake in my yard. So 
<sighs> y'all, the garden process is on the way. Like I've grown like a couple of potted plants here and there um, that some of them have gone great. Some of them have gone not so great. But that being said, we have decided to just plant into the ground. Um, I do still feel like I am going to do like some raised box gardening sections um, and some already like sprouted plants, I guess. However, y'all, we just putting things in the ground. But I say all that to say, y'all, I saw a big ass snake in my yard and it was like fucking big and brown and it was moving very, very fast. And I wasn't ready like at all. My sister, Danny, who was on the podcast a couple weeks ago, if you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to that motherfucking episode. But y'all, we saw a snake and it was I wasn't ready to see a snake in that yard. Um, I like to think that I'm not scared of snakes. However, I don't want to be in a place where I am caught off guard, honey, by a goddamn snake. Like, that is not something that I want to do. <sighs> so I am currently on snake watch in my yard, in my backyard. If anyone is like a snake whisperer who wants to come to the crib, you can definitely do that. But at this point in time, child, I am just being very cautious while I am planting all of these lovely fruits and vegetables and plant medicines and ting out here. Um, because yeah, snakes, I ain't, I ain't trying to be face to face with a snake that's going to be scared of me while I'm scared of it, and we just over here bouncing off all this scared, paranoid energy where anything can happen. Honey, I don't need anything to happen. I need a snake to be very predictable and do snake things, like go fucking find the rabbits that have also been hanging out in my yard, and I think I talked about this last week. Um, But yeah, now I'm just kind of rambling about my personal week. Just, um, I guess a little bit of the current event things and I don't I'm not going too deep into the current events honey because a lot of things have happened y'all know um my homeboy Dr. Mr. Fauci's emails were leaked I have my own personal opinions I am still reading through them um granted there are like 3,400 um emails that were leaked from the early part of last year and y'all y'all know I like to do all the digging y'all know I love to see things with my own eyes y'all know I love to do the research by myself so that has been very interesting to read through in my spare time just just kind of very interesting and that's all I'm gonna say about that um also yeah happy pride y'all and um yeah, happy pride to all my LGBTQI plus brothers and sisters. What's up? Shout out to everyone who feels the need to come out during Pride Month, which I mean, I guess since we here, I might as well come out. I will definitely consider myself as like a pansexual being and yeah we gonna leave it right there um at this point in my life I'm not even thinking about sexuality um in an external way I am I very much still sticking to this intentional celibacy and trying to use all of that creative energy but pride don't I got nothing to do with sex and I am just kind of rambling at this point um yeah, so shout out to Pride. More so shout out to all of the Black people and all of the Black trans women specifically because Pride would not even be a motherfucking thing if it was not for a Black trans 
person named Marsha P. Johnson. Shout out to her. Rest in power forever and forever. If you don't know, just look up Stonewall. Look up Marsha P. Johnson. Understand that most motherfucking things in this world start with Black folks and Black women, especially. We just out here doing amazing things. So yeah, happy Pride. It is also Black um, music history. I was last no I did not rec- my last episode didn't post in June because I'm thinking about whether or not I, I said these things but yes it is black music month as well so one of I won't call her a friend but this one person this one woman that I admire a lot um from her internet persona we have definitely met like a couple of times but um I I just really like her vibe and I feel like we would definitely be friends but her name is Christina and her um micro blog situation on Instagram is called a black girl owns this and she actually has this template for black music month it's a little calendar for like a daily music prompt for you to do so if y'all are interested in those types of things and y'all like like the little instagram social media challenges um and especially if you're interested in black music as am i i would definitely go check out her ig again her Instagram is a black girl owns this if y'all are lazy as fuck and y'all just want to DM me or something for the template for the black music month I can do that too but y'all know I really really like y'all to support people that I like especially black creatives that I really fuck with y'all she's an educator too but anyways not even to ramble about that the the last kind of current event type thing I did want to mention and I thought about making this the OG says segment but I feel like this is eventually going to turn into a topic of the week at some point um but Monique sis one of my favorite like one of my favorite people like in entertainment one of my uh, definitely on the top of my list of favorite black women in entertainment but Monique honey now I understand that your generation (laughs) aka the silent generation aka y'all niggas are called the silent generation for a motherfucking reason because like y'all love being complacent y'all love sitting nicely and quietly in these white ass spaces being the best negroes you can possibly mother fmb but child like i'm sorry like i will definitely say that i personally do not wear my bonnet outside of the house because of the trauma of whitewashing and the trauma of like code switching my whole life and the trauma of you know growing up in the church and the trauma of like your my mother being like oh I gotta look x y and z way because you never know who you gonna see blah blah blah. like no no like I understand that look your best feel your best is the thing however like somebody can look their best in a bonnet some people or not even some people all of us are entitled to 
to look the way that we want to look for any given situation period um so that being said sis if you don't want to wear your bonnet if you want to go to the airport goddamn dressed in six inch heels goddamn with your hair all laid and your brows did and all of that like power to you definitely do that i will say i'm i lay somewhere in the middle of the spectrum i like going to the airport looking decent because typically when I get off a plane like it's time for me to go find food somewhere I'm gonna probably be running around like I don't usually go I'm not like the person that like goes straight into like like I'm not the person that goes straight into the hotel take a shower take a nap like no I'm probably gonna be moving out and about so I I like to be like comfortable but you know, decently put together, you know, at the same time. But like my nigga, I'm going to wear my bonnet, like wherever the fuck I want to wear. I'm going to wear my scarf outside. I'm going to do whatever I want. So just this whole narrative that black women need to show that in order for black women to represent themselves in a way that is palatable to other black women. um, Dang, I really lost the train of my thought for my for that sentence, but I will say, um, I think this just all kind of goes back to just this weird competition that black women have towards each other. This weird, um, this weird need to, um, to be perceived as greatness and as more than, more than dirt because you know white people have categorized us as these bottom of the barrel type people so we're oh we're trying to we we are constantly finding ourselves like overcompensating when it comes to looks and fashions and the way that we're presenting out in the world and i will say do what you want but at the same time like don't keep perpetrating like this narrative do not keep running like let our people be free like stop going along with yo grandmama's trauma and letting that dictate how you think and how you view young women coming up because that's just not it anyways enough of recapping about all of that stuff y'all last week's episode that was entitled Aubrey Graham's Last Hope was a music episode, y'all. I literally just randomized some questions that I wrote um, to just have a conversation about music. I told y'all I was in a very creative mood, which I am still very much in a creative mood. But yeah, I just wanted to talk about music and I wanted to give kind of my opinions on music. I will say listening back, a couple of the things that I said made me cringe and I thought of better answers or like some of the questions I didn't answer, I guess, correctly, quote unquote, whatever that means. But Nonetheless, if you haven't listened to that last episode, um, episode 13, I believe, called Aubrey Graham's Last Hope, I suggest that you go listen to it because, y'all, I just love music and I would really, really love for this little podcast of mine to to manifest into great things that have to do with the music industry. But any who, yeah, that was the last week's episode and I have rambled enough, I think, in this segment, so... Let's talk about the things I've been ingesting this week, y'all.
All right, so y'all should know by now that when I say ingesting, I'm meaning all of the many ways I can put things into my mind, my body, my spirit, um, and not necessarily just like eating things, you know, chewing them and sending them through your digestive tract. But that being said, first on the list of things that I have been ingesting, let is, let's talk a little bit about food. So, um... If y'all know, well, I guess not. If y'all know, I I guess y'all don't know, rather. I am not a person to try new restaurants all the time, mostly because, like, I like to cook food. And also, when I find something that I like, I really like to stick with it. But, as I was saying earlier, I've been on kind of this, like, kick of just dating myself and hanging out with myself and riding through the hood by myself. And that being said, one of the days of me doing this, it kind of led me to this restaurant that I have heard about that I have not been to before. So it is a very popular vegan restaurant in Austin called The Beer Plant. Now it is not owned by people of color, is not owned by women. I don't think, however, it is a completely vegan restaurant that has a full bar and yeah, just a whole lot of creative things on the menu. So y'all, let me tell y'all, first of all, I, I got this sandwich, right? Called a Nashville chicken like nashville hot chicken y'all know the little nashville hot chicken trend that's happening right now but they so they have a nashville hot chicken sandwich however the chicken is actually oyster mushrooms and y'all know how i feel about mushrooms i am still very much the person that cannot see mushrooms and don't like big pieces of mushroom that but y'all this mother effing chicken sandwich was and obviously vegan, but I'm going to keep saying chicken. This mother effing chicken sandwich was delicious. It had this remoulade, remoulade sauce on it, which for me probably needed a little bit of vinegar, but even still, it was so good. The pretzel bun was so freaking good and moist, but gluteny and also like sweet. Oh, so good. And instead of pickles, y'all, why did these mother efforts have pickled celery? Pickled celery. I've never in my life heard of pickled celery, but it was so freaking good on this vegan sandwich. Y'all, the fries were bomb. Y'all know I love fries. That's one of my like top five favorite foods. I definitely love me some fries. Um, And so I guess the meal comes with either fries or a salad for no upcharge, or you can choose one of their other sides for an upcharge, but... I just ended up choosing an extra salad for a upcharge because I wanted the fries like I always do. But I also wanted to see what the house salad was hidden for because it came with like house-made dressing. It came with house-made croutons. And I'm not a crouton girl at all. Like I am definitely from this neck of the woods that find croutons to be completely like pointless and definitely repulsive. However, child, the croutons at Beer Plant, oh my gosh, so freaking good. So if you in Austin or if you ever frequent, you know, the Austin area, I would definitely suggest y'all try the Beer Plant Again, the menu is 100% plant-based, so I don't have to, like, search on the menu for, like, vegan options or figure out ways to vegan items because everything in that bitch is vegan. And 
Oh, I also had like a a chocolate pecan cake situation from there. Ugh, so freaking good. I, I definitely ate it in my sleep because by the time I had got home that night, I was just so freaking tired. So I ended up taking the... Uh, Oh, the piece of cake to go, but oh, it was really good and it did not have okay. So, sometimes vegan cakes like they end up being very dense because of whatever egg substitute is used. But y'all, the cake was not dense, it was perfectly moist, perfectly sweet, but not too overwhelmingly sweet. Um, I actually like when you can taste like the flour in cakes. Like if that makes sense, like there's something about like the flour taste that I do like to come through. Um, but I also, I just like to taste all the ingredients of a cake, honestly. Like I don't like it to be like overpowered by sugar or overpowered by like flavoring too much. I just like, oh, I just like cake. But anyways, yeah, y'all, that was a really good, like I said, if y'all ever in this area, definitely go try out the beer plant um what else oh my goodness i've been eating fruit salads i've been eating a whole bunch of white nectarines because i guess girl they are in season and they are <sighs> to die for they are so freaking good man um what else coco oh yeah so i've been eating fruit salads but also been i tasted finally the coconut ready whip oh child it is very very good um if you're looking to for like a non-dairy alternative to like ready whip the canned whipped cream definitely try out that like y'all know i well i guess you don't know but if you know me personally i am whenever i need to use whipped cream in a recipe for like banana pudding for instance i always use the so delicious like tubs that come in the frozen section of whipped cream but I will say for all my needs of the squirt can, you know, whipped cream, I'm definitely going to use that ready whip. It is really, really good. The coconut one. I haven't tried the almond milk because I don't know. I just like how coconut creamy things taste. I like the consistency also of coconut milk as opposed to almond milk when it comes to desserts because almond milk tends to have like this weird grittiness thing that makes like my teeth sensitive. I don't know how to explain it. Sips Topo Chico. That's not even really a Topo Chico. Oh, the 1877 mineral water. That actually brings me right to my next category, honey, of the things that I've been drinking. So I am currently drinking an 1877 mineral water, which I told y'all a couple of weeks ago. Um, I had picked up, I think I called it like 1985. I don't know what I called it earlier or that previous episode, but it's called 1877 mineral water carbonated water by H-E-B from Mineral Wells, Texas. Oh, and I definitely lied. Definitely doesn't compare to Topo Chico. It gets flat very fast, but I mean, we'll deal with it for the time being. I have been drinking that because I did buy a big ass case because I thought I liked it. Um. Oh, I've been like using yerba mate, yerba mate as like a pre-workout because y'all, your girl has been working up. I am trying to get like my wind span um, to be a lot better or my lung capacity rather <clears throat> to be a lot better. So I've been doing like a lot of cardio. I've been doing a lot of just full body workouts because child, I am just trying to get fine. Like not even fine. I just want to like lose the random weight that I gained <laughs> during fucking 2020. The goddamn wrath of 2020, right? 
but um oh that's really all the drinks y'all that i've been talking about oh i discovered that simply lemonade has a strawberry lemonade i thought it's always been raspberry lemonade but um my brother went grocery shopping and like child i don't know if i talked about this on the podcast but y'all my little brother when he grocery shops he like buys everything in bulk like he buys multiple of everything so he got some simply eliminated with raspberry but he also got a simply lemonade with strawberry and honey it is delicious i actually just had some mixed in with this 1877 carbonated water however how motherfucking ever like I drank it all because it was just so good so I just filled my cup up with the rest of the sparkling water but it's so good oh one more thing that I want to talk about I got some tea y'all from care by caro um or care by carol because I'm texting in black and country as fuck um but she is a person that I've been following for a minute like ever since I really started getting into like the aesthetics and like microblogging and ting on Instagram. Um, I've been following her like ever since then. And she is just like this compassionate. She is just New York ass. Like she's just so freaking beautiful. And I just love watching her environmentally friendliness. I love watching her recipes. I love watching her talk about weeds and things. However, um, yeah, I ordered some tea from her and I finally tried the tea and it is bomb, y'all. It tastes like some strawberry jello, literally with like hints of like anise and maybe like cinnamon. I don't know. It is so good. And I'm going to remind myself just by talking talking about this right now, I'm going to try to remind myself to make some iced, but Y'all, everybody that I'm talking about today, I will hopefully have in the description of this podcast. But y'all, the tea, mm, it was it was just delicious. So, so good. So shout out to her and shout out to that damn tea and shout out to my black ass who has to make it up to New York at some freaking point because uh, y'all's energy just be so damn good. God damn. Um... What else? Okay, so yeah, I guess that really does bring me to the end of drinks. And let's just get into media. So y'all, this week as far as media, I have definitely been in my true crime bag. I found this channel called like Criminal Psychology, JP. I don't even know what the full name is, but the channel focuses mostly on criminal psychology. And... Oh my goodness, it is so interesting just the way they kind of dissect different behaviors during inter- the interviewing process. Um, I think the video that drew me to their channel was a video about, oh, like faking mental illness to get lesser crime sentences. I don't remember the exact name of the video, but y'all, if y'all are into cr- true crime at all I definitely suggest that even if you just type in like criminology psychology I think on YouTube the channel will be the first thing to pop up and uh, so if y'all like true crime I would definitely suggest that y'all check that out if y'all are into like neurology neuroscience psychology I would definitely also suggest checking that channel out because y'all the human brain is just really undefeated and the brain of criminals is something that I have been obsessed with my entire life it is just so freaking interesting but moving right along because i know some of y'all boring ass niggas don't be watching true crime 
don't trust the nigga that don't watch true crime forget what they gaslighting ass told y'all about us true crime viewers but moving right along um oh polls y'all oh my gosh okay so i literally have a spoiler written down I have a spoiler written down on my notes, but I'm not going to say the spoiler, actually. I'm just so in love with this season. Y'all know I've been talking about this every week, and it there's just so many ups and downs. I just, I love every single character. Janet Mock is a true, true hero, and I just hope... I just send her so much love and I pray that so many more opportunities flow her way because the way the things that she has done for the black and brown trans community, man, Janet Mock is just the mother effing goat. I will definitely say Um, I am sad that I think this today was the season finale. All right, I usually end up watching Pose on Mondays. I run it back because I li- I watch it on this little bootleg website because your girl does not have cable and Pose ain't on none of the streaming services that I have except for Hulu and ain't nobody about to pay for Hulu Live. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I usually watch Pose on Mondays, but I think the season finale came on tonight. So shit, I got to stay off social media. I don't want to see shit about Pose at all until I watch it, y'all. But that being said um but yeah it makes me really sad that pose is coming to end oh i've also been watching a lot of terrell y'all know if well if you don't know now you know i really really love the terrell show on youtube obvious i am obviously like a music purist i freaking just love music and obviously i grew up in the church so terrell and i share those parallels so dissecting voices and vocalists is one of my favorite things to do so the Terrell show I've honestly been binging all the most recent episodes and getting caught up on all of those and also T and Coco if you know you know um Terrell also has and this is Terrell Grice on YouTube he got really popular um by doing song association um and he also does like contests for singers to be on his show but Y'all, he be having everybody on there. Honey, PJ Morton, um, JoJo, Tori Kelly. um, So many people. I'm like literally Amber Riley. I'm like John or Blank because so many people have been on the damn Terrell couch. Like the Clark sisters, like, goodness. Anyways, child, if, if you like vocalists and you don't know who Terrell Grice is, figure it the F out. Like you really late. Um, oh, I've also been just kind of studying Angela Davis and studying some of the things that she said. Um, I came across her and, um, just looking at some news coverage on the interwebs about the things going on in Palestine. And, um, yeah, I, I just kind of decided to study her and study her, just her movements and study, um, just her brain and her thoughts and what has led her to be the powerful writer and the powerful revolutionary, you know, that she, that she is known to be. Um, I definitely look up to that woman's a lot. So I just started digging real deep in her things. And that also led me to this black leaders discussion of 1973, which Angela Davis was on a panel along with a bunch of other, of other black leaders. Um, I don't know if there's other years 
of this Black Leaders discussion um, on YouTube, but I do know the 1973 is there. I did not finish it. However, the things that I did witness in this program, honey, are some things that if you are into history, especially Black history, especially Black revolutionary history, I definitely suggest you go back and watch. And maybe we'll have a discussion about it when I finish the entire thing. So yeah, let's talk about it. Um, ooh, what the hell was that? My voice just cracked like three times in a row. Oh, but that being said, y'all, let's just move into music. So I finally, now I know I haven't been on this podcast mic in like a week and a half. So we haven't like talked about everything, everything. And there's kind of a lot to catch up on. So I will just say I finally listened to J. Cole's album front to back a few times. And I really like J. Cole's album. I, there's songs on there that I can't stop listening to. Obviously applying pressure. Um, Obviously, the 21 song, the song with 21, I can't even think of like the names, but I will definitely say the J. Cole album is very solid. I am very excited to see him at motherfucking Rolling Loud because guess who? Sorry. Oh my God. I'm so sorry, guys. I forgot I had this mic turned all the way up. But guys, guess who the fuck secured their ticket to their first ever rolling loud festival it's me it's your girl i'm motherfucking excited i don't know nobody else that's going so if you go into rolling loud and you want to like smoke a blunt together or you know uh, hang out have like some talks about worldviews and perspectives while seeing j cole live while seeing fucking earth gang live while <sighs> seeing scott muscutty live guys y'all first of all if you don't know this about me i love live shows so freaking much i miss the energy of live shows um rest in peace to my live show partner who's not physically dead however our relationship is dead but shout out to just that live music energy that festival energy i I love me a music festival, honey. So if you're going to be a Rolling Loud and if you a normal ass motherfucker, like, and I mean normal as in like, you're not sneaky, like you're actively healing from your traumas, like you're um, a genuine human and you're going to be out there Rolling Loud, like, let me know, like we can hang out, you know, we can go get, go walk over to like the vegan snacks together or some shit like that, you know? Um, and then part ways to go see whatever shows we trying to see, you know, like homies, where the fuck y'all at? Like if you're going to Rolling Loud, definitely hit me up. Um, because none of my niggas got tickets, none of them. And ain't nobody fucking with the resale prices, which is understandable. However, me being the obsessive person who is definitely missing music, <sighs> yeah, definitely gonna be there. Um, and I kind of went out, went on a tangent. How did we even get here? Oh, we got here because of J. Cole. I finally listened to J. Cole's album. J. Cole's gonna be a Rolling Loud. Yeah, you feel me? You feel me? Um, what else? Oh, JoJo has a new song out called Creature of Habit. That is, whew, I just love her toxic, or I love her music where she has been addressing like her toxicity and 
Oh, I, I just love JoJo. You already know. She's one of my favorite vocalists of all times. Oh, Smino Rice and Gravy has definitely been on repeat. Y'all know Smino's my guy. Masego has a song called um, Yevo Sama. And I just love it. Oh, and Earth Gang, y'all, finally, well, I won't say finally, but released the remix for Options featuring Wale and Koyla Ray. And it is just so good. Y'all know I love me some Earth Gang, and I cannot wait to see them perform live for the first time. Also at Rolling Loud. Uh, y'all, y'all have no clue. I'm like really smiling ear to ear. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I definitely prefer traveling alone. However, I don't know. It, it would definitely be cool to like fly there with people. Um, at least my fam, you know, just but anywho, I'm gonna just be thugging it. You feel me? Nobody better try no shit. Goddamn. But y'all, just <sighs> live music is happening again. But that being said, y'all, that brings us to the end of the things that I have been currently ingesting. Let's get right into the topic of the week, y'all. All right. So this week's topic of the week is gentrification shen gentrification y'all now this is a subject that many of us probably are already familiar with um most people have heard the term thrown around at least um in the past 10 5 10 years or so um however today i just kind of want to talk about some of the history of gentrification why gentrification even exists um the way that gentrification impacts our communities and by our i obviously mean like black and brown communities specifically um even more specifically black black communities um period now um I am, oh, and then we're also just going to talk about um, some potential ways to um, end gentrification and end and reverse gentrify areas and things like that. Um, now, y'all, this is a subject that I am very passionate about. It is a subject that I... <sighs> that I am very personally connected to. So I am going to try my best to present the information in a pretty condensed way, um, a pretty concise way rather. Um, and I'm going to try not to go off into too many tangents because honey, I can get real angry real fast when talking about this, but I, I just really kind of want to present some information for y'all. And if you haven't heard of gentrification or if you weren't necessarily aware of the lasting effects of gentrification, I just want to bring light to those things. Um, of course, y'all, one of the models of this show is to do your own motherfucking research. Um, I'm kind of like a research queen um, because I have trust issues, first of all. So researching became like a coping mechanism for me. And I just love to fill my brain with information. So I'm constantly like researching and unlearning things and relearning things. So y'all do not take anything that I'm about to say for face value. Um, Never take any piece of information for face value. Obviously do your own research, come up with your own conclusions. Um, But y'all, I'm just here to present some motherfucking information to you guys. So um, 
there's actually two definitions of gentrification that I wanted to point out. The first of which is the standard textbook. Well, the current rather textbook definition of gentrification, like what Webster's dictionary defines as gentrification and what also is the first definition to pop up in Google, honey. So sorry, I'm trying to get shit off of. Okay, now I'm just feeling. But anyways, um, so yeah, that definition of gentrification is the process whereby the character of a poor urban area is changed by wealthier people moving in, improving housing, and attracting new businesses, typically displacing current inhabitants in the process. The process of making someone or something more refined, polite, or respectable honey that is problematic for a various numbers number of ways but i was able to get another definition of gentrification which um not only i not only do i like it more but i definitely find it to be more um more descriptive i guess of what gentrification actually is in the grand scheme of things um and i got this definition from urbandisplacement.org which is um i believe a nonprofit that is dedicated towards bringing awareness to gentrification and um ensuring that as little urban displacement which we will talk about later occurs um Right. So according again to urbandisplacement.org, gentrification is the process of neighborhood change in a historically disinvested neighborhood by means of real estate investment and new higher income residents moving in, as well as demographic change, not only in terms of income level, but also in terms of changes in education level and or racial makeup of the residents. So Basically, in a nutshell, gentrification is when these town and I like the way that um urbandisplacement.org kind of put gentrification and kind of explained it because um gentrification happens as a direct result of systematic errors. Um, and we are definitely going to talk about this in just a second, but yeah, so in a nutshell. Um, gentrification is when our hoods, which are these historically and strategically um, disinvested areas, meaning there's little to no government funding coming in. Um, most of the residents are not paying very many taxes because they're not making livable wages. Um, therefore, um, it becomes a hood, right? <laughs> so gentrification is when the hood is basically taken over by people, typically white people who have the capital to change the neighborhood, change the housing and buy it the hell up, right? So according to urbandisplacement.org, which is where I got the bulk of this research from, um, 
aside from just some little pieces of research that were cited in urban on urbandisplacement.org. But according to them, right, there's three things to consider when we consider that when we talk about the topic of gentrification. The first is the are the historic conditions, especially policies and practices that made communities susceptible to redlining. Um, number two, the way that central distant or that central city disinvestment patterns are taking place today as a result of these conditions and number three the ways that gentrification impacts communities i'm going to take a sip of water on that note so yeah those are the three things basically that we're going to talk about in this conversation of gentrification today So the first thing to consider are the historic conditions, right, that led to gentrification even being a thing that led to the the disinvestment of these neighborhoods um, and that started basically the process of these neighborhoods being vulnerable to gentrification. So we will start with redlining. A lot of us have heard this term. Um, If you are not familiar with this term, of course, I am going to describe it. Hopefully you learn something more than you had known before. Um, But redlining occurred in the 1930s to the late 1960s. Um, To define redlining, redlining were the standards um, that were set by the federal government and carried out by banks which explicitly labeled neighborhoods. Whoa, I cannot read. Oh, <laughs> that specifically label labeled neighborhoods that were predominantly people of color as risky or unfit for investment. And it resulted in these people being denied access to loans that would enable them to buy or repair their neighborhoods. Um, In 1933, the U.S. was faced with a housing shortage after um, the Great Depression, right? So housing programs started to begin under Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was a president at the time, FDR's New Deal, um, which was designed, again, as a government relief program in response to the Great Depression. And I think it is important to note that this happened within um, FDR's first 100 days of presidency. So if you are not familiar with the... If you're not familiar with the, I guess, quote unquote, importance of a president's first hundred days in office, that those first hundred days historically really set the tone for what the remainder of these presidents' presidencies will be. A lot of people, um, a lot of politicians and people, political scientists argue that those first hundred hundred days are what polit or what the president, I guess, will basically be like throughout the rest of their presidency. Um, so in 1934, the Federal Housing Administration was created, which led to the creation of the Federal Government's Homeowners Loan Corporation. Um, so between 1935 and 1940, 200 plus cities were mapped to determine 
the risk or fitness for investment. Um, the HOLC, which was that homeowners loan corporation I mentioned earlier, um, they included well when they whenever they were writing out these plans, right? These redlining plans, um, they included demographic data, economic reports. And redlining. So even though that, even though this tact, this tactic, right, of redlining, which again, if y'all didn't really catch the definition, because I did kind of like breeze past that, redlining was basically these city officials, along with this um, national home loan association or whatever the fuck, um, they came together to basically draw these cute little maps. And I'll also try to remember to link the the link to where all of these archived maps are actually located so you can physically see what was written on these maps so like you have like you know the areas that we for the most part consider the hood areas today the modern hoods um you see these areas marked as um very high risk do not invest do not approve loans um and several other things, y'all. Like, it is really mind-blowing to see that these officials, these government leaders who are there to protect and serve, allegedly, which if you know anything about the U.S. government, you know that that is not the case. Uh, but you have these electic, elected officials and people in power who literally took colored pencils and drew on maps and decided which sections would get funding based on who lives there. Like, dog, <sighs> y'all cannot tell me this country. Y'all cannot, Kamala and whoever the fuck, you cannot tell me this country is not an inherently racist, racist country built on inherently racist principles. You can kiss my ass with that bullshit. And if you think that, like, you can literally leave. But... Anyways, this whole topic of redlining was actually brought up to the president and it was exposed in 1938, um, but the Roosevelt administration um, debuted these concerns and they basically said like, oh, they, they just blew it off as the government does because why would it benefit why would it benefit FDR in his first hundred days for him to admit that he was using systematic racism as a tactic to recover from economic crisis. Bitch, oh my gosh, this nigga. I hope he's rolling over 12 times in his grave so he can feel the wrath that I feel like. Fuck all these presidents, but this nigga, he has a special place in my heart of hatred, right? <laughs> but, um... But yeah, like I said, that didn't happen in until 1938. Um, and that was when black leaders like the NAACP, the Panthers, and other people... Uh, sorry, I'm talking about the Panthers, y'all, in 1938. <laughs> but other black leaders um, during that time, um, they were just like, hey, this is fucked up. Like, we see what's happening. Like, we're not dumb. Um but again, FDR kind of ignored that and actual racial segregation was not actually deemed illegal until the Fair Housing Act of 1968. So between 1938, when this was um, raised as a concern to the United States president, to 1968, 30 years passed before there was legislation saying that like redlining couldn't happen, even though 
all the effects and all the traumas were already a generation in at that point, right? <sighs> Trifling. So uh, another historic condition um, besides redlining that is pretty important to talk about is white flight, which is also called suburbanization. So white flight was when... Oh, see, I just drew a blank. Y'all, I'm over here reading my notes and literally drew a blank. But basically, um, other housing transportation or other housing and transportation policies of the mid 20th century fueled the growth of mostly white suburbs. And it basically um, began this exodus of capital from these urban centers. So during this whole suburbanization, suburbanization process um after redlining happened after these areas these urban areas were seen as dirty and infested with poor people and people that were at high risk so no loans and no federal funding were put into these areas these suburbs were created and of course who could afford the suburbs or who could afford living in the suburbs at that time? White people, of course. So we see this huge flight of white people from out of the inner cities, from out of these urban areas into these nice little suburban community, which we know as the suburbs, literally today. Um, these cute little subdivisions with their own schools and their own parks, their own communities, literally. Um, so yeah, basically with all of this white capital, which we all know white people have historically always held more generational wealth. They've always held more um, net worth than black families. So when all of their money was taken out of the hoods, it just caused the hoods to get more hood <laughs> as time went by. Because, of course, the government was not putting their precious money into these places where there were no white people and people that were worth loans and renovations and things like that. Another historical um, concept that is important to talk about when we talk about gentrification is the GI Bill. And this is something that I actually had no clue of so the GIB the GI bill um most of us when most of us think about the GI bill we think about military veterans and their children and their spouses being able to go to college for free and getting college stipends or whatever the hell so they can go to college how freaking ever right um there's also a lot of other I guess, perks when it comes to the GI Bill, specifically um, when it was first drafted and first turned into, I guess, law. Um, it did guarantee the low-cost mortgage loans for returning World War II so soldiers. However, um, they did discriminate um, or discrimination rather limited the amount of these loans made to black veterans um and the fha which is the federal housing authority largely required that suburban developers agreed not to sell houses to black people in order for them to have access to the loan funds so basically <laughs> this federal housing agency literally told these suburban developers hey it, you can develop these suburban communities however like, y'all ain't about to get our government money 
from these veterans who are entitled to this government money but y'all ain't gonna get this um if they black like black people can't live here um they can take their little black ass somewhere the hell else um like literally so these black soldiers who are coming back from world world war ii did not have access to this quote-unquote guaranteed money um which would have put a lot of the black and brown veterans of that time in a very better position um than they are financially now that would have been the first step to creating gener- generational wealth for them um especially after serving this fuck ass country during that fuck ass war um but i digress yeah <laughs> um the last of the historic conditions that i want to talk about when talking about gentrification um is urban renewal so urban renewal includes things like highway expansions um and programs which resulted in a mass clearings of home businesses and neighborhood institutions and set the stage for widespread public and private disinvent disinvestments of these communities child i cannot talk sips water Okay, so um, during this whole, I guess, booming of urban renewal, this urban renewal initiative, rather, um, all the fine-grained networks of streets were replaced by freeways, super blocks, and megastructures. Planners at every level of government often targeted poor and minority communities. Um, for example... Let's talk about the city of Austin, which is the city I was born and raised in and currently live in, honey, um, in Austin by the 1960s. An estimated 116 families had been displaced by urban renewal and 100% of them were black. Um, There is... um, so much to say about that and i was actually clicking through the website which showed all of the different um redlining maps and all of the maps that were affected by like urban renewal and literally austin was the only place that had said that 100 percent of the people that were displaced by urban renewal were black 100% were black not latinx people not asian people not white people 100% of the people that were displaced due to this government initiative right to make communities quote unquote better but 116 of these fam of black families had to move out of their residence in order to do that right oh it's just so fucking trifling and there's actually this quote by james baldwin um who talked about a lot of the things that we're talking about now he talked about this redlining he talked about just a lot of social and political issues that we face as black people um but there is a famous quote that he said in 1963 that urban renewal means negro removal and that is exactly what it is the concept of renewing urban areas always comes at the cost of the people who live who live there who inhabited the place before they came up with this fantastic quote unquote um idea of renewing it but yeah, um, I do just kind of want to talk about my specific city, the city of Austin. 
because gentrification and redlining specifically, you can like you can physically see it like in the city of Austin and we are physically separated by I-35 um which separates East Austin from West Austin which separates the niggas from the white folk like that just is what it is um and it is a very like interesting concept so when we're thinking of redlining and this whole like redistrict of the city um we think about most notably east avenue so east avenue was formerly well it was formerly known as east avenue rather uh, but it was the dividing line between white and non-white austin um Prior to 1928, Black people lived throughout the city of Austin. Um, in 1928, city leaders created what was called the Negro District in an effort to confine the Black population to one section of the city. Um, black people were compelled to move there because it contained the city's Black schools, like Keelan, Blackshire, um, Oak Hill, I think that's what it's called, um, Black parks, and other facilities. Um, and you know, black parks like Givens, ETC, I already fucking know. <laughs> I'm dead. Um, and other facilities, right? Um, in the mid to late 1990s, and again, we're still talking about ATX, y'all. Um, in the mid to late 1990s, the Negro District became the main site of gentrification. Um, and y'all, we see this up and down 12th Street, up and down 7th Street. We see um, all of MLK looking completely di- like my nigga. We see so much. But by 2010, Black people were no longer the majority. Um, they'd sold their homes and then moved to the surrounding suburbs. Um, between 2000 and 2010, Austin was the only, the only major growing city in the, in the United States to see an absolute um, numerical decline in the Black port in the black population, right? During the foreclosure crisis, and if you don't know, a foreclosure is when a home is seized and put up for sale by the bank that gave the original loan. Um, But Austin was really, really affected by the foreclosure crisis um, um, when a disproportionate levels of subprime lending resulted in mass foreclosures, leaving neighborhoods vulnerable to investors seeking to flip properties right so if we look at the city of austin alone right um sorry and we're not even gonna look at the city of austin alone we're gonna look at the united states um again as a whole when we think about this foreclosure for foreclosure crisis honey because i cannot talk from 2007 to 2009 794 were seen for black people, 769 per Hispanic people, and 452 non-white or non-Hispanic whites per 10,000 loans. So, okay, I'm going to say that better because that sentence came out really, really strange, right? So, um, when we think about the amount of loan or the amount of people that had foreclosures per every 10,000 home loans, right? 790 of them were black, 769 were Hispanic, and 452 
were white, which means that white people had a significantly less, had significantly less of a chance of their home being foreclosed on than black people, which means they had a significant, a significantly less chance of being displaced from their homes um, and facing homelessness um, or rather houselessness or facing just the economic struggles that comes with being displaced and uprooted from your home, right? (sighs) So straying away, right, from the historic conditions that have caused like, I guess, areas to be vulnerable to gentrification. Um, It is important for us to talk about the central city disinvestment and investment patterns, right? Um, So we see things like rising affordability. So the market has gotten increasingly increasingly expensive, right? Um, So that being said, older historic housing is stock that tends to appeal to these new neighbors who maybe you know the the college couple they've just graduated from college got married super young they're looking for housing um they can't because the housing market is kind of expensive they go seeking these homes these fixer-upper homes right um and again that goes back to the whole foreclosure crisis people love to flip houses but something that people don't understand is that Um, These houses, when they get foreclosed on and buying a house just for the sake of fixing it up, not only does that lose, you lose some of the original integrity of the house, but you also lose a body. You also lose a family in that neighborhood that contributed to the culture of that neighborhood, right? All right. So another one of the like investment patterns that we see um, when it, or when speaking about gentrification rather, is that typically these areas that are most vulnerable to um, gentrification are in a close proximity to city centers where jobs, restaurants, art spaces, um, etc. are located. Um, So a lot of the times, you know, these really urban areas are close to downtown areas if you look at east austin specifically east austin is literally the highway or it's literally a bridge across from downtown austin so it makes sense why a lot of white people would want to live in this area not necessarily understanding the history or understanding the history but feeling like whatever it's just an investment um and that they don't need to think twice about So the last pattern of like city disinvestment and just investment patterns in general when it comes to gentrification is revitalization. So this concept of revitalization is when cities start making these investments in low income neighborhoods, specifically um, toward specifically toward like improved transit access and infrastructure um, in part to draw newcomers that um, will then have access to getting to other jobs um, further away, but being able to come back home where their real estate property value is moderate, right? Um, And then also bringing in people or 
or sorry about that but yeah this concept of revitalization also is not about people necessarily not about bringing new people in however it's about bringing new capital in um so still oftentimes in these really really gentrified areas that are now known as these hot spots for new coffee shops and certain businesses and things like that um that appeal to what white people like to call you know the hipster population and things like that um yeah it's not about the people themselves it's about the amount of capital that said people can bring in and in this country we do not view black people as having um, potential to be of value where capital is involved. <sighs> so yeah, um, a few things before we close out this topic of the week, y'all. Like I said, I just wanted to give y'all um, a little bit of information um, and be as concise as possible. So um, what does gentrification look like? Um, if you are completely just still lost and unaware and understand some of the points that I'm making, but don't necessarily think that gentrification goes on in your city. Um, a few things, a few ways to spot gentrification is you can see like increased um, investments like transits or parks in areas that never had transit systems or parks. Um, you can also see changes in the land use. So maybe more or maybe straying away from like agricultural work and different things and going into a more indus industrial uses of the lands. Um, you'll also see landlords seeking higher paid higher paying tenants, um, meaning landlords spiking the rent um without notice and without true feasible reason why aside from the fact that they want to attract tenants that are available or that are able to afford whatever rental prices they're choosing right um also some Oh, also you'll see like character changes that character to new residents needs. Um, I did say coffee shop just a second ago because um, in one of my trips driving down the east side of Austin, right? I noticed that in a very black area right down the street from Givens, if y'all know where I'm talking about on 12th Street, there is a big, a huge, or not big, like, there's this little coffee shop, right? See, I'm saying big because, like, the impact of this shit is big because gentrification is fucking terrible, but there's this little hipster-ass coffee shop nestled right there, um, right behind this, um, oil change place that is definitely the hot spot for people getting oil changes and tire replacements and things like that in Austin for good reasonable prices just a coffee shop so you start seeing just different things that would have culturally made up these neighborhoods um are shifting you see a little indie record stores or little you know these hipster art galleries and things like that but you slowly start seeing the the cultural values that weren't that once were in place and that once were evident throughout the streets of said neighborhood you see them kind of like disappearing and dissipating into like the the past you know like 
So yes, those are some ways to spot gentrification and tell whether or not gentrification is going on around you. That's what it looks like, honey. Like, I'm sorry if any of those things apply to you or the area around you. It's probably because your area is getting gentrified. Um, so just a little bit about the impact of gentrification on communities, right? Um, the biggest input or the biggest impact really on communities is the displacement and displacement can either be physical or cultural or both. So physically displacing people from their homes and their neighborhoods, making them move. Um, or like we talked about just a second ago, those little character changes that, show that shift in culture, displacing the original core culture of those neighborhoods, right? So um, again, with displacement, we see that long-term residents are unable to to stay and enjoy the benefits from investments in housing. Um, They're unable to stay and enjoy healthy food access or even the new transit infrastructure that was put into place. Um, And they are then forced to move. Prices become higher. Um, They're unable to stay in their homes. Their landlords want more money because they can, because they know that some um, rich white person has the money and are willing to move into wherever the fuck you are, you know? So, oftentimes, um, you know, we see a lot of these projects in cities that are geared toward, um, black and brown communities. Sorry, I thought I heard a sound, um, that are geared towards these black and brown communities. And, you know, we hear like the government saying, oh, this new project coming to Northeast Austin, you know, it's going to bring in, um, new jobs and new things. However, like if we can't afford to live there, we don't, we can't afford to, um, or we don't get the privilege of enjoying these new amenities. Like literally it's like this never ending systematic cycle that we are in literally. So before we close out, right, and before we move on from the topic of gentrification for today, at least just a couple ways to reverse gentrification. So number one, y'all, stop ignoring the effects of gentrification, period. Stop ignoring it. Like understanding where, how to spot gentrification, understanding the historical context of um of gentrification and facing that head on. The only way to fix problems and ting are to literally face them. Oh, 6%. Um, And another way that I just kind of thought of about how to reverse gentrification or stop gentrification is the protection of residents, affordable housing, um, and literally doing all that we can to buy the block back. Um, And I heard a lot of sources talking about... um, how how possible it is to wage a class war, um, aka a race war, honey, um, when it comes to trying to fight against gentrification. However, I mean, at this point, like what y'all want us to do? 
Like we can't give up everything, goddamn. Um, and the more we are come, we are collectively becoming conscious and aware to these concepts, like gentrification, like redlining, like the effects of white flight. You know, and the more we understand these concepts, the more prepared we are to fight through them and really see or really seek change, feasible change. <sighs> but yeah, that being said, that is the end of this dang topic of the week, y'all. Um, I am positive that the topic of gentrification will definitely come up on this podcast. And I'm looking forward to having more of those conversations. If you have anything to add to this conversation, don't hesitate to email me at organicwithog at gmail.com or hit us up in the DMs or the comments or wherever the heck at organicwithog. Um, on IG. Um, but yeah, let's get right into OG Says because honey, I got something to say, child. All right, welcome to another episode of OG Says where I, OG Adriana, say something about something, right? So y'all, this week we gonna make it real quick and I was actually, I don't know if I talked, I feel like I talked about this one time in the topic of the week one time just briefly but my sister Danny brought this up to my attention like we had a brief conversation about this but it's a lot of motherfuckers in this world right there's a lot of lot of humans in this world who are inauthentic in like noticeable ways right um and I'm specifically talking about people who are quote-unquote fake deep so Oftentimes, like you see people who will mask their true personality under like a guise of having a good choice of like music. Like maybe they they like a particular artist who they consider to be a deep artist, you know, like maybe they like Kendrick or maybe they you know, listen to this podcast episode about gentrification and have decided that they are a gentrification warrior and they just want to reverse this from this one episode. So (laughs) my, what I have to say is that if you have to fake, if you feel the need to fake your depth, then you are not understanding humanity and you are not living life in the way that you are intended to live life because humans are deep. Humans are these incredibly complex, incredibly intelligent, incredibly adaptive things, right? (laughs) Like humans are very fucking deep and complex. So to put on a facade and to to adopt a persona that is like where you are noticeably trying to seem as if you just have all of this depth and all of this substance when really all you do is look on the surface level of certain things and then deem yourself as deep like dog that that's really not it that's really fucking weird i will tell you a a brief story I had a situationship with a homie that I, I, I knew growing up and I just thought, or I, I kind of allowed this person into my life because I was, 
I don't know. I was curious to see what would happen if the flame was reignited, right? Like, granted, it had been like 15 years, like, since I saw this person, since I thought about this person, since I've talked to this person, like, anything like that, right? Um, But I started noticing, like, little things about this nigga. Like, it's like he, like, some of his, like, his favorite artists... (laughs) was is Isaiah Rashad right and I view Isaiah Rashad as an amazing well-balanced artist you already know how I feel about TDE and y'all should probably already know like about like my favorite rappers and like what I consider to be real hip-hop right so I I thought it was like really cool you know that this nigga like loved Isaiah Rashad and he um just like certain things about him like this nigga like wore rings and shit (laughs) like I don't know how to explain it however but like his inside personality right like his actual personality was literally just a person who knew certain things but that's it like he knew of certain things and he um there were certain like musical artist names that he knew there's certain politicians there's certain hot topics that he knew about there's certain um you know issues within the black community that this person knew about but like internally like this nigga was just attaching himself to all of these things um so that it would further help him put on the persona of being this incredibly just substantive person right when all or like when I really think about it this nigga was like a literal narcissist and my fucking nice ass was sitting here questioning all the time like I would ask Danny like every time that I saw her like dog am I crazy like am I being like too fucking mean and judgmental like to think that this man is being like very um disingenuous and that he's being like really weird and he actually may be a serial killer and like no push came to shove this nigga is an actual fucking narcissist who literally like morphs his personality to be whatever like the time period fits but that's kind of a different conversation and i say all of this stuff like that nigga is not the reason that this conversation started at all but it's just like a lot of people out here are just be trying to portray themselves and granted a lot of times a lot of people try to portray portray themselves as so many things like some people want to seem like really fun and outgoing some people but that's not really them you know some people want to seem really caring and nurturing and soft-spoken and that's not really their personality right um that's why on this podcast y'all radical radical authenticity like above everything because like dog there's nobody in this world like you and trying to be someone else will always come off fucking strange and weird but damn i forgot my train of thought like how i got there but i don't know how i like how i even got there but i will say radical authenticity like being trying to oh that's what i was saying (laughs) I found it y'all so a lot of times like people will try to morph themselves into these different personas that maybe they admire or they aspire to be but like particularly when someone is like forcing themselves into quote-unquote wokeness or forcing themselves um to seem like this super cool eclectic artsy like substantive like motherfucker like that shit is strange like and for people who actually are 
are interested in certain things because I don't think being quote unquote woke or being conscious to social and political issues um, necessarily makes you a good or bad person. But I will say like those are just interests that like you may have like that doesn't make you more substantive than someone else just because they don't have um those particular interests but um the people who actually do have the interest in social and political issues and people who um enjoy natural ways of living and who enjoy music um sonically and the science of music and the science of food and things like that people who actually like are on this weird ass motherfuckers like me that really in like genuinely people look at as like this fucking strange as individual right but people who actually are interested in what I guess the world perceives as deep will automatically see someone faking and pretending to be deep as strange as weird as manipulative and as a liar and a pointless ass being right but that being said I'm not even about to drag this on because I keep tripping up over my words but y'all be true to who you are if you are not what society deems as quote-unquote deep you do not have to force yourself to be naturally naturally participate in the interests and hobbies that you feel called to naturally attune to your personal being and your highest good naturally attune to your loved ones and set your natural boundaries um and let that be the end of it don't be out here trying to be somebody you're not for the sake of fucking fitting in or seeming a certain way because like my nigga that's weird you're a narcissist and just go away but anyways let's wrap up this episode y'all <laughs> all right y'all so y'all know i like to end these episodes with um an oracle card to kind of serve as like an energetic forecast for the week to come y'all know last episode i had already pulled a card i'm feeling i don't know kind of compelled or I don't know. I feel like I kind of want to upload the footage to when I originally pulled that I am happy card that I shared with you guys last week because honestly, I cracked myself up and I'm very embarrassing. But it was also just like a really, I don't know, just like a really raw moment of spirit just giving me the message that I needed at that exact time. But that being said, honey, <laughs> while we talking about spirit and ting... I am just asking that on behalf of the collective, we get some clear and precise um, messages and that will serve as some guidance for this week to come. Um, again, I am using this I Am Everything Affirmation Deck by Tarisha Clark. Oh, my eyes itching, child. You know when your eyes itching and it just it feels so good Oh, when you scratch it. But yeah, I'm using this I Am Everything Deck and... Yeah, I know I keep saying it's going to be the last time I'm using this deck. I'm going to switch over to a different Oracle deck. Um, however, I'm not ready for that. I think my my first switch over is actually going to be on episode 17, um, which is a very special episode. And there's going to be a very special guest in the building, honey. But yeah. <laughs>
I guess I can pull the card now because I've been sitting here for two minutes not doing nothing. Whew. Card number 12. I've definitely not pulled this card before. Um, I am still. I understand that there are times to move and that there are times to be still. In my stillness, I seek greater understanding. I take time to rest and contemplate. I strive for unconditional happiness. I am here in the present. I am still. Whew. Name a better message for retrograde season because if you don't know, the planet of Mercury is currently in retrograde. I believe there's another planet going retrograde very, very soon here. I'll have to look at my calendar. Um, but I think it is a very important message to just be still. I literally have Exodus 1414 tatted on my wrist, um, which is the Lord will fight for me. You just need to be still. Um, so I find myself just constantly reminding myself that times of stillness don't necessarily mean times of stagnancy. Times of stillness are times of reflection. Times of stillness are time to look within yourself. Times of stillness are the times to assess what's going on around you. You do not have to constantly be moving around and feel and making yourself feel productive in order to be productive. Um, a part of being productive is also knowing when to stop. And a part of our journey is understanding when to be still and to listen. Um, we do not, or action is not always necessary. Reflection, um, can go a long way when you just realize when that is necessary in place of action, right? Um, so I'm gonna just read this card one more time, honey. Um, again, this card number 12, I am still, I understand that there are times to move and there are times to be still. In my stillness, I see greater understanding. I take time to rest and contemplate. I strive for unconditional happiness here in the present. I am motherfucking still. And that brings us to the end of our episode, y'all. I appreciate you all for listening. Um, y'all, we gonna try to get this um, podcast um, episode description situated so I can tell y'all or so you can find all the links to all the people that I shouted out in this episode. But y'all, thank you for rocking with me. Week 14 or episode 14, rather. I, I just really am so thankful and I'm so ecstatic that I, I still am doing this, finding it somewhere in myself to do this. Um, I appreciate y'all for listening. Um, I am just rambling now. Um, if you haven't listened to episodes 1 through 13, go catch up on them hoes. Um, follow me on the social media. You can find me on IG at OG Adriana, or you can find the podcast Instagram at Organic with OG. Um, you can also email this podcast any questions, comments, or concerns at Organic with OG at gmail.com and if you feeling frisky go subscribe to me on youtube at og adriana and if you feeling real real frisky honey go follow me on twitter at og adriana underscore but that being said y'all thank you so much i hope y'all have a great and prosperous day week month hour minute of your life uh, and yeah, I hope y'all return to the next episodes and journey along with me and team. Bye, y'all.